OPBC Online, a ministry of Old Pass Baptist Church in Northfield, Minnesota, and we are coming live here. It is 2.10 p.m. Central Time, and we are at it again here, and we're going to talk about the Jesuits here. We're going to go back into the Jesuit history again. Wednesday, I might bring you a Witnessing Wednesday type program and go through the charismatic video that I wanted to go through before. Uh, a few weeks back, and we might go through that. And also, recent uh, mean tweeters, right? Recent comments of uh, angry tweets, right? Or angry angry uh, Facebook responses, right? Uh, concerning my calling out of an event, an LGBTQ event called Games and Kids or whatever, and... They're going to go to Steele County. Uh, they're going to go to to the middle school and hold an LGBTQ game, game night, family game night. And boy, did I ever start a ruckus. Which I am not ashamed of, by the way, uh, because uh, someone needs to bang the drum. Someone needs to tell them the truth. Someone needs to tell them that except they repent, they shall all likewise perish. And that they are, in in their attempt, what they are doing is trying to destroy children. And uh, they are trying to convert them, and they're trying to, they are trying to recruit them for their own ideological purposes. And perverted purposes, I might add. So, that didn't set well with the homo community there, the LGBTQ community. So what did they do? They got mad, and they started commenting. And, like, nobody comments on that entire page hardly. And I don't know. I had, like, 200 or so comments. Something like that. Boy, they were not too happy with old Pastor Cooley. David said I wasn't even a real pastor. Can you believe it? They said, you're just some online pastor. You're not even a real pastor of a church. And some witch said she was going to, you know, do this and do that to me. And, you know, they were going to do all this stuff to me and all that good jazz. And as you can see, I'm shaking in me boots. I'm shaking in me boots. Right? Uh, but uh, anyway, there it is. Oh, I th- silly me. I thought there was 200 comments. Well, of course not. There's actually 337 comments, and I shut the comments off. Because I was like, if I don't stop, I wasted two hours this morning. It wasn't a waste, by the way. Because this needs dealt with. So, anyway, it needs exposed. It needs talked about. Uh, Cages need to be rattled. Right? So anyway, this is what I said. Always after the children. They are always recruiting. Children at young ages are children. They are not to be sexualized. Repent and believe the gospel. The Lord will change your heart. Well, that brought out all the crazies. I got accused of every accusation, everything you imaginable in the book, right? And um, besides... Basically calling me a big fat meanie head. Just kind of what they called me, a big fat meanie head. And then I wa- and some witch was going to curse me, and she was like, 
said the birds were going to protect her. I was like, ah, right. And, uh, you know, the, the birds were going to protect her from me. And all that good stuff. So I told them a number of other things. Of which they got very angry at me about. And basically, what they were telling me is, is I couldn't join in any of their reindeer games, which I don't want to anyway. <laughs> but anyway, but I had to bang the drum, right? I had to bark like a dog, right? I cannot be a dumb dog that cannot bark, right? So I had to bark. And bark I did. So. There you go. They got the truth, didn't they? Yep, I'll be talking about that on Wednesday. We'll save that for Wednesday. Oh, there's some funny comments, right? On there that I'm going to, and really it's my responses that are, they're super funny, but they, they were biblical responses, but they are funny responses. Okay. Anyway. So, and like I said, they accused me of all kinds of things. And I said, you know, I've never been violent with anyone. And by the way, I wouldn't harm a hair on their heads. All I would do is preach the gospel to them that they would be saved. They'd repent and believe the gospel, but I'm not going to cover their perversion. I'm going to tell it like it is. Amen. Isn't that right, Joey? Wherever you are, Joey. Joey MC. Joey Mac. Huh? So we'll get to that. We'll 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 get to that on. Wednesday, Wednesday, but today, today is Gideon's birthday, so right after this broadcast, I'll be celebrating, we'll be celebrating Gideon's birthday, Gideon is three years old today, hard to believe, the big guy is three years old, hard to believe, but he is. And uh, we're excited about that. And uh, praise the Lord for children. Amen. Praise the Lord. So. We're going to. We're going to spend that time together there later on after this broadcast and enjoy. um Enjoy and, and thank God for all the goodness, right, that he's given us. And, uh, you know, these children have all been an answer to prayer, answer of prayer to God, right? And uh, the Lord has blessed us and given us another son after him, that Silas, that uh, that uh, Silas... Uh, can grow up with Gideon, and they can 
play around together and hang around together and enjoy being buds together. And uh, praise the Lord for that. We're looking forward to that. That'll be some exciting times. And keep me young. Keep me out there. I'm Lord willing, I'll live to be 90 and I'll keep preaching until I'm dead. Amen. I don't have a retirement plan because I don't have a salary. So, oh, we won't get into that today, people. We'll just leave that alone for today. We'll pick that up on Wednesday, okay? Anyway, um, but my, so I plan on preaching until I'm, I'm dead. The way I preach, that might be sooner than later, but let's hope it not. Let's hope uh, the Lord keeps me around a good long time. Amen. Uh, I'd like to see my children raised and my grandchildren raised. Amen. And uh, see them grow up and live for God. That'd be a blessing. And be a thorn in the side of the devil. Amen. Till I go home. Okay. Oh, stop it. That, some, that person that just texted me was like, why did you shut comments off? Are you afraid of a debate? There's 337 comments. If I was afraid, why would I have 337 comments on there? No, I can't get any work done with them pinging me all the time. So I just shut the comments off. Ha <laughs> ha, my post, I can do it. It's like that shirt I seen. Nope, tonight we're having spaghetti and meatballs. Gideon wanted pasta. He did not want pizza. He wanted pasta. So Mandy is going to make some homemade meatballs out of Italian sausage, burger, and whatever else she mixes in with that that I don't know about. So that's on the menu tonight. I probably won't have pizza again till Friday. I can't hang out with them Italians every week. It's I won't be able to see my feet. So I got to pace myself. I am doing good though. I've I I I have lost a little bit of weight and I'm I'm still exercising every day. So it's good. It's good stuff. Doing good. So got to keep going and all that good stuff. Okay, now, so, yep, Mandy does make good meatballs. They are good. Yep, and there is pork in there. There's Italian sausage in there. That's right. Fabio. So we're going to get in. Oh, I got good news. I got I have. I got. I have. I got. I have. Right. I speak American hillbilly. All right. Good news is Lucius's passport came in today. And 
Hannah's passport came in today. Now we're just waiting for the rest of the passport cards to come in for everybody else. Their, their documents did get returned to us, which means that there's not a problem with it because they have the documents on file. So it should be that. So, praise the Lord. So I saw Hannah's passport. I saw Lucius's passport. And all the vital records came back. So now we're just waiting for the rest of the passports to come in. Praise the Lord. We got that early, right? Good timing. Three weeks. That's impressive. So now we're just waiting for the cards to come in. So just pray for us about those and all those cards. And I didn't do any expediting either. That was just normal paying. I'm telling you, the Lord led me to go in there the day after Christmas. December 26th, man. I went in there. I don't, I, it just, I don't, the Lord just led me to go in there. I was just like, we're going to do this December 26th. So it just worked out. Praise God. So now we just have to wait for the rest of them. And I think they'll be on the way soon. And uh, moving forward here. Amen. So keep praying for us as we continue to, uh, you know, work ahead here and and get everything taken care of. Uh, Oh, some good praises here. Uh, How about how about I share some of those with you, too? So we got our printer paid for. We can print tracks because our other printer was about dead. So we got a we got a a good used printer that's worth thousands of dollars that we got for five hundred bucks. So it looks like that's gonna be picked up today. Somebody had also donated money for our AMP, which is on the way. Or which we're going to order sometime. We haven't ordered that yet. Excuse me. It's not on the way yet. We have to order it. Figure out which one we're going to use for a secondary amp. One that has a little better sound to it. Uh, doesn't sound like you're in a stadium. That stadium one is necessary. But sometimes we want one with a better sound that's a lo- little closer. Has a little more bass in it. Doesn't blast the people quite so much. So anyway, that w- that's pa- that'll be paid for. And then we had like $500 given for towards our camera. $540 given towards our camera. And now, so we only need about another $560 to pay our camera off. Uh, and, you know, then for, I, then here's what I'm going to need, it looks like. Uh, and I'll tell you about this stuff. Uh, we're going to have to order the plane tickets round trip pretty soon and a rental car for Brother Andrew. And that's going to be, $1,000 for that. And then there's $400 for, uh, I think it was $400 for his place to say. So please pray that God would provide that $1,400. So I, I don't, I just, I charge it and I pay for it and I just, or I, I trust God for it, okay? Um, and if I have to pay it off myself, I, I find a way to do that. But usually the Lord just uses somebody else to do it. But we need 1400 for that, okay? 
So I'm starting to give you hard numbers here for this trip that's coming in. Uh, please do not ever feel obligated to do anything. I'm not saying this because it's like, oh, you have to. I, I don't. God loveth a cheerful giver. If you couldn't cheerfully give it, I don't want you to. Because I've watched God do miracles. I, I mean, so I, I don't want you to like begrudgingly or anything like I, I don't want you to feel that way. You know, if God so leads you, praise the Lord. If not, pray for somebody else too. You know, that God would work on somebody else's heart. So that's fourteen hundred. Uh, that's for his tickets round trip. Him and his wife, by the way, and for their place to stay for an Airbnb. All right. So that's the beginning of those expenses that that uh, we'll need, and we we've got months, you know. But we got to order the tickets here pretty soon, just like it was with. Remember that with uh, with Europe. Okay. Also, I did a lot of studying on the martyrs here this week. This weekend, this Saturday, last Saturday here. So we'll be recording in a few weeks and probably finishing up the recording side of the Coliseum. And Andrew is going to be working towards the uh, the production side, video production, all that kind of stuff. So please pray this goes well and that God gives me wisdom of how to finish out the martyr section of this and also finish out, you know, and the preaching aspect of the end of it and tying it all together with modern day things. Okay. So, you know, just pray for me about that. Cause I want this Coliseum. I'm going to, Oh, I got another idea, but ideas aren't cheap. They always cost something. <laughs> all right. So, I want to show you a feature on Sermon Audio and something that I want to do with this Coliseum documentary. Okay? Let me show you here. Do you see these features on the side here? Okay. So when you go to the front of Sermon Audio, there's a feature app. This sermon is featured on here. Someone paid to feature this. Okay. They they paid to feature all these and for a week they leave these on here. It goes from one to the first one to the second one to the third one and the thousands upon thousands of people that watch sermon audio they will see that that documentary. Or they'll see that sermon, excuse me. What I want to do I want to put the Coliseum documentary on sports idolatry, on bread and circuses, on the actual Coliseum. I want to put that on the front page of Sermon Audio. And I, I don't know what it costs because I haven't done that yet. And it takes a, you know, you can't do it like, oh, I'll do it in a day. No, it takes a, they'll, they'll give you the earliest date. But I want to feature that on the front of Sermon Audio, that it'll be on there for a week. We will reach thousands of people with that Coliseum. I, I want to wake some pastors up, some churches up, 
some believers up to see what's going on in our world. So let me ask you, are you willing to chip in? I know it's another expense, and I'm going to do whatever we can do, okay? But this is better than featuring it, like doing anything with YouTube, you know, doing it. They, They don't, this is God's people. Yes, we're going to put it on YouTube. We'll premiere it. Yes, we're going to premiere it on Rumble or however that works. Yes, we're going to put it on there. But here, this, this, this is where it's at. On, uh, so please pray about this. Andrea, would you like some of our tracks? Is that what you're saying? Because you can, uh, I'll have, when this new printer gets up and running in the next week, you tell me which tracks, and we'll try to send you some. Okay, we'll we'll have, you get with, uh, you know, you could get your information to Hannah, and, and I'll get tracks from Brother Ryan, and we'll mail you some. Okay, you go on our website here, okay, click on evangelism here, you tell me which tracks you want, okay, which one you want, and we'll try to get you, you know, a couple hundred tracks or something, or a hundred, you know what I mean, we're not going to charge you for it, you want to Donate something, you could do that, but we're not going to charge you. But I, I can't do it for a thousand, well, I could, a thousand people. We can't do it for a thousand people because I don't have a full-time printer, okay? But I'll do it for our faithful people that listen to us, Teresa, Daryl, Carl, you know, um, any any of the people that listen live to us. I'll do my best, to, and you could donate whatever you want to pay for it, okay? To help pay for it. You don't have to pay for it, but to help pay for it. And if you can't give anything, I'm still I'll still send them to you, okay? I don't I'm we're not going to have like a payment slip in there, okay? We're not going to do that, right? Okay? We won't do that stuff. So. But. Uh, we we will do our best to get them out to you. Okay. Okay. We're gonna we'll we'll do our best, okay? And uh, you you just but anyway, uh, we'll we can do that for a limited. I mean, we're getting a better printer, and we will do that for the faithful folks that follow us, okay? We hand out thousands of them at events and everything else. We can do some, okay? Oh, we'll have some in Canada. Don't worry about that. I'm I'm printing up a th- I'm printing up a thousand or more for Canada, a couple thousand probably. Okay, and I'll leave those. Whatever we have left will be given to Pastor Jeffrey because they're all they're going to be his anyway. Okay, so 
So anyway, we'll we'll do that. I love to hear people giving out tracks and wanting to help people. So Teresa, you just let us know, and whoever else is on here, you just let us know, and we'll do what we can. Just promise me you'll hand them out that you won't just leave them, or don't promise me. Promise the Lord that you're gonna you'll you'll hand them out to people. Amen. That's all I care about. And uh, we're excited about this new printer and everything, so we're happy. Amen. Um, you know, I anyway, so we got a lot of stuff going on, right? We got a lot. So we're going to do whatever we can to help. And um, others out there as well. And so you pray about all these things. I'm excited. The Lord's going to provide. I already know that. I ain't worried about any of that. I just know he's going to, okay? So we're... We're we're moving right ahead. Yeah, you'll Carl, I'll have a bunch with, okay? I'll have a bunch with. You'll be handing them out with me, Carl. You're gonna be at the event. You're going preaching with me. So we're we'll be out there preaching at that event, brother. You and I and Pastor Jeffrey Lucius will be there. Grandpa will be there. And uh Andrew will be there recording and all that good stuff. We'll have we'll be out there. We'll be live. Everybody will be able to watch, okay? So I'll get you tracks and, and and that kind of stuff. That's, that's hey, look, we want to see people. Man, I used to send out, I don't know if anybody on here got any of those, but I used to send out DVDs like crazy, uh, MP3s of my sermons. I sent those out. I sent thousands upon thousands upon thousands out. So, um. Of DVD, I sent those all over the the world. Really, I think Canada and the U.S. We might have sent some to Australia, but I can't remember. We sent out a ton. So, nah, you'll you'll have an amp, Carl. You'll be able to preach longer. You'll be you'll have an amp. You'll be able to preach longer. We'll have an amp in Canada. So don't worry about that. You'll be able to preach longer. Um, but I used to send out, in back in 2016, or no, 15, uh, we sent out, and we never charged anybody. I mean, we sent out all, all the sermons for a month. All my sermons, all my broadcasts for a month for the month and sent them out to a mailing list of people. So we mailed them to everybody and we never charged for them. We just said, you can donate. And people donated, you know, they did, they, they, they gave and some people didn't cause they couldn't, you know, but we, we wanted to be a blessing to them. So I stopped doing that. I I stopped doing that, and the reason I stopped doing that is because we kind of shifted away. From uh, we kind of shifted away from DVDs. Okay, and things like that, because most people are doing stuff online. So that's why that's why that happened. 
So that's why we don't do that anymore because most people don't. I still have the duplicators even, you know, and all that. So anyway, any time, man, we sent them all over. All over. I mean, thousands. Thousands. Sarah, uh, a, a lady that was in our church, uh, Sister in Christ, it was a, she would send out, I mean, she would duplicate all of them, six at a time. So she was duplicating 12 of those at a time and sending, <laughs> we sent the whole month's worth. So could you imagine in the mail getting a whole month's worth of my sermons? <laughs> Oh, and then my enemies came in and tried to destroy our ministry. Anyway, that's what happened. And uh, they just basically tried to destroy us. But God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love wherewith he loved us, amen, uh, he held us up and kept us through many things, taught me many hard lessons, humbled me. And now I believe our ministry is has a greater reach now than it ever has. Amen. But my heart is different than it was then in that sense. I was still, I was saved, but the Lord taught me the importance of what the right way to do things. And he humbled me and taught me. And I thank God for it. I really do. God is good to me. Very good to me. Uh, he's been good to correct me in measure. Teach me. I'm very thankful for it. And uh, what they meant for evil, God meant for good. And uh, I'm very thankful. So I'm very thankful for God's correction. I don't despise the chasing of the Lord. Right? Amen. So, anyway, you pray about all those things, and I'm excited. We have a lot going on, man. Lot, lot. We're heading there, right? Amen. So, uh, you know, sometime this week, too, I'm, I'm going to get to our broadcast here, but sometime this week, um, we're going to talk about Ron DeSantis stepping out of the the uh, the race. I told you the orange man was coming. The phoenix was rising, didn't I? I told you he's coming up out of the ashes, right? Orange man's coming back, baby. He's coming back with a passion. He's coming back. Wait till my broadcast nearer, closer to the elections. Trump 3.0. Ha <laughs> It's great. All right. I told you. I can't believe I was even over in Ireland. Scotland. Just shocking to me. Just shocking. Amazing. Amazing. Right? 
All right, well, we are going to get into this Jesuit history here. Anyway, so you know how to get a hold of us. You know how to give OPBC online, uh, or actually oldpazbaptistchurch.org. And uh, you can go PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, or sermonaudio.com slash Pastor Cooley. Go to the bottom of the page, that page. Ten thirty South Highway Three, Northfield, Minnesota five five zero five seven. Amen. Thank God for His provision and care for His people. Okay. HG back to Scotland. Oh my friend. If I could teleport there very quickly, I would. I did not get enough time with you, and I would love to have my wife there with me and enjoy some time with you and Claire. And uh, someday. Okay, someday. But for now, my friend, we'll have to settle for online, and so will I. I hope you're feeling better, though. I really do. Now, this fine chap, not that fine chap. Not the fine chap, Ross, but this fine chap. The Jesuits in history, Hector McPherson. We're going to talk about Scotland. And, uh, well, we're not going to talk about Scotland yet, what the Jesuits did in Scotland, but what we are going to talk about today, he is from Scotland, that man is, right? And we're going to talk about the Jesuits as corruptors of morals. Because the Jesuits are the master corruptors of morals. I will say this again to you. Glad to hear that Brother Ross is feeling better. Praise the Lord. Okay. I will say to you again, though, about this, that God's people need to read. God's people must read. They do not read enough. If you would live to be old, one of the healthiest things that you can do for your mind is to read. You must learn to read and read effectively. Often. So... People don't read enough. They're watching videos all the time. They're not reading. They're not listening to audio books. They're not reading themselves. They're not, you know, they're not. 
Someday we're going to take a journey through my library. Maybe when it's all up. <laughs> but we are going to do that. God's people need to read. Strengthening their minds. Read good books. And the Bible, number one, the scriptures. You're able to make thee wise unto salvation. But also good biblical books. Good books from, uh, and good history books. God's people need to read. People in America have big, big homes, but no libraries. They have big movies. They have movies and Netflix and all kinds of other things, but they don't read. It's a shame when God has blessed us. We ought to read. Okay. Hold on, I'm going to grab a cough drop here. And my Texas-sized sippy cup. See? Jim gave me this years ago, my Texas-sized sippy cup. I don't need those on. I'm reading. (laughs) Here we go. Chapter three. The Jesuits as corruptors of morals. By the way, one of the most fascinating things I think today is I know a lot of labels. Right? A lot of book labels, book publishers, Reformation Heritage Books, Banner of Truth. You know what they don't talk about? The Jesuits. You know what they never talk about? The Jesuits. Why? Why don't they talk about the Jesuits? Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. The Jesuits, chapter 3, the Jesuits are corruptors of morals. 
Whereas among the Jesuits, the individuals entirely submerged in the order, and when the aim of the order is not in the first place, the cultivation of saintliness, but the furtherance of the temporal success of the papacy, religion and morals will tend to be subordinated to worldly ambition. True in the Constitution, it is declared that the order is closed against any person who has at any time been guilty of some delinquency. But it is left to the general to decide what is delinquency. If the individual is guilty of delinquency, he is not inadmissible if the general considers him to possess qualities likely to prove of value to the society. The dangerous tendency of this provision was seen and acknowledged by Francis Borgia, who in his encyclical written by him as general expresses fear lest this opportunism would prove a field for ambition. Another high authority, Charles Baromio, commented on the fact that men who were apt for sciences were admitted, though they might be destitute of piety or devotion. Jesuits control education. Look at all the number one colleges throughout. And you will see throughout the world, and you will see that the Jesuits control all of it. They control education. The outcome of making the order an instrument for the spread of the papacy rather than a means of individual piety explains the adoption by the Jesuits of some of its most detestable doctrines. Since Pascal wrote the historic provincial letters, all the world knows the full meaning and extent of Jesuitism. Pascal put the Jesuits of his time in the pillory. And we cannot do better than reproduce some of his scathing exposures. In one of the letters, Pascal records the results of his interview with a Jesuit whom he calls an honest man. He said this, And what then, I asked, can be the design of the whole as a body? Perhaps they have no fixed principle, and every one is left to speak out at random whatever he thinks. That cannot be, returned my friend. Such an immense body could not subsist in such a haphazard sort of a way or without a soul to govern and preside over its movements. Besides, it is one of their express regulations that none shall print a page without the approval of their superiors. See, they don't do anything without the approval of the Jesuit general. All these Jesuit coadjutors that are not priests, 
but they're Jesuit coadjutors. Adjutors. However you want to say it. They don't do anything without permission. Everything they do is calculated. Their universities are controlled to give a message. Right? Take, for instance, let's look. Jesuit colleges and universities. Boston College. Campion College at the University of Virginia. Buffalo, New York, College of the Holy Cross, Creighton University, Fordham University, Georgetown University. Who controls New York? Fordham University. Who controls D.C.? Georgetown University. They control it through their education. Ohio. John Carroll University. Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. Loyola University of Chicago. Who runs Chicago? What do you have? Well, who do you have in Chicago? Baltimore, Maryland. Loyola University. Loyola University in New Orleans. The list goes on and on and on. Joe talked, Joe, uh, the president, talked about the University of Scranton, or talked about Scranton. There you go. University of Detroit. Xavier University. They control education. But said I, how can these same superiors give their sanction to maxims so untraditionary? That is what you have to yet learn, he replied. Know then that their object is not the corruption of manners and is not their design. But as little is it their sole aim to reform them, that would be bad policy. Their notion is briefly this. This is the Jesuits' notion. Are you ready? They have such a high opinion of themselves as to believe that it is useful and in some sort essentially necessary to the good of religion that their influence should extend everywhere and that they should govern all consciences.
and the evangelical or severe maxims being best fitted for managing some sorts of people, they avail themselves of these when they find them favorable to their purpose. But as these maxims do not suit the views of the great bulk of people, they waive them in the case of such persons in order to keep on good terms with all the world. Accordingly, having to deal with persons of all classes and of all different nations, they find it necessary to have causes adapted to this diversity. That's right. That's right, Ross. He did warn. A wonderful warning. They become literally all things to all men in a perverse way. And they run their universities all over the world, not just America. They use education to run countries. Many dictators were trained in Jesuit Marxist universities. Many fascists are trained. Fascism. Look, China, Aurora University, Shanghai was a Catholic university. The Dominican Republic, Ecuador, El Salvador, France, Germany, the Jesuit College of Ingolstadt. There you go. Lots of universities all over the world. World leaders train there. Uh Uh-huh. All over the world. Paraguay. Oh, the reductions of Paraguay. Okay, let's keep reading. By this policy, they keep all their friends and defend themselves against all their foes. For when charged with extreme laxity... They have nothing more to do than produce their austere directions with some books which they have written on the severity of the Christian mode of morals and simple people and such as never look below the surface of things are quite satisfied with these proofs of the falsity of the accusation. What happens? Here's what they do. The Jesuits will push liberal doctrines. 
They will push. Uh, Marxism. They will push perversion. They'll accept LGBTQ. They'll do all those things. And then they'll publish a work saying they don't agree with it. While they're doing it already. That's how they operate. So they can point people and say, see, we don't agree with LGBTQ. Look at our Jesuit writings against it. While they're practicing it and undermining the very thing that they say they believe. It's who they are. It's what they do. And the average person can't see any deeper than that and accepts the Jesuits' response. The system of causes, causes tree by the Jesuits has been reduced to scientific precision and where laxity of morals is necessary in the interests of the order, they have no difficulty in finding ample justifications on the lines of their three great principles. Probabilism, mental reservation, and justification of means by the by end. The ends justify the means. That is a Jesuit directive. The ends justify the means. Probabilism. Mental reservation. Probabilism is an ancient Greek doctrine of academic skepticism. It holds that in the absence of certainty, plausibility of, or truth likeness is the best criterion. Catholic probabilism provides a way of answering the question about what to do when one does not know what to do. Probabilism proposes that one can follow an authoritative opinion regarding whether an act may be performed morally, even though the opposite opinion is more probable. What is that? Witchcraft. It's witchcraft. Spoiling philosophies. In other words, they're liars. Beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Do you know that modern philosophy came from men that were trained by Jesuits? I can't remember the man's name offhand, but he tra- modern philosophy where there are no moral absolutes. What is probabilism? It's the lack of moral absolutes. 
Those damnable sons of Loyola. That's who taught it. That's what probabilism is. God hates it. He says what? Very clearly. See. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. What then is probabilism? The doctrine is laid down by the Jesuits is that when you that when upon any moral question two different opinions are entertained by any celebrated causes of which opinions the one is more probable and in conformity with the law the other less probable but more agreeable to our desire we may lawfully put the latter into practice they're admitting there's no absolutes to them take a concrete case a penitent comes to confession resolve fully to make restitution of money which he has stolen in that case the Jesuits will applaud his holy resolution but suppose that penitent desires to be absolved but is anxious to retain the money rather than refuse absolution the Jesuit will furnish him with the opinion of a causist to the effect that he could keep his ill-gotten gains. Such a doctrine strikes at the foundation of morality. It substitutes the desire, it substitutes desire no matter how sinful for conscience, the ultimate standard of morals. What it leads to is clearly shown by the samples given by the German historian, Theodore Gresinger. A Jesuit teaching. When a needy person on account of sickness or lack of employment is not in a position to supply his wants by his own work, he has the right to abstract from the rich by secret or open force the superfluity of the latter. But, adds of the Jesuit father, Escobar, the person robbed must necessarily be a rich man. What is that? That is Marxism. They're teaching that it's okay to steal from somebody who has more than you, who has money. What does the Bible say? Thou shalt not steal. They go on to say, whoever then findeth a thief who has the intention to rob a needy person 
They must retain him from doing so and point out to him another rich person whom he may plunder instead of the needy one. These are Jesuit quotes. You wonder where postmodernism came from? The Jesuit order. They taught it in universities. They've taught it to their people. Another Jesuit writer, Gabriel, fixes the sum which it is permissible to steal at three francs. In business transaction, the Jesuit standard of morality is very low indeed. In his book on the seven mortal sins, the Jesuit Tolle expresses himself thus. When one cannot sell his wine at the price he considers it to be worth because it is considered to be too dear, he could give smaller measure and mix with it a small quantity of water. In such a way, of course, that everyone believes he has the full measure and that the wine is pure and unadulterated. End quote. You hear that? Teaching him to water down that wine, right? That if they water down that wine, that's not bad. It's okay. You can do that. Doesn't the Bible say something about the measure of weights? Right? Look at this. Proverbs 11.1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. Proverbs 20, 23. Diverse weights are an abomination of the Lord, and a false balance is not good. It is a false balance. They are ripping people off. So no moral absolutes, that's probabilism, Catholic probabilism. I will change the title of this and put those Jesuit maxims in there so people understand and can listen about those and listen to this broadcast. Growing bolder, the Jesuit teachers set the law of God at defiance in the matter of murder and assassination. So listen, thus we find a Jesuit teacher in France, Haru, saying, if anyone by a false accusation should calumniate me to a prince or other man of honor, and I can maintain my good name in no other way than by assassinating him secretly, I should be justified in doing so. Escobar, the author of a book, Moral Theology, published in 1655, declares this, that it is absolutely advisable to kill a man whenever the general welfare of proper security demands it. 
in support of the view that a drunkard cannot be made responsible for his actions, another Jesuit father, Gobey, has the following. A son who has become intoxicated and in this state has killed his father is not merely no criminal, but he may rejoice indeed at the circumstances of the murder which he has committed. If that is a great fortune which he inherits is in question. As large riches belong in every way to these things, much to be desired, especially when one understands how to make good use of them. End quote. The Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. Right? What are they doing? They're advocating for murder. That's what they're doing. Say, how could these people do that? They they are brainwashed. They are brainwashed, literally, by devils. To believe these things. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There is an abundant evidence to show that the Jesuits are adepts at hypocrisy and dissimulation. And these they justify by their doctrine of mental reservation. Here you go. This is diabolical witchcraft. Mental reservation or mental equivocation is an ethical theory and a doctrine in moral theology that recognizes the lie of necessity and holds that when there is a conflict between justice and veracity, it is justice that should prevail. The doctrine is a special branch of casuistry, care-based reasoning developed in the late Middle Ages and the Renaissance while associated with the Jesuits. It did not originate with them. Yeah, they got it from the devil. Duh. Bunch of liars. Look what they say. What's their open policy? Here's here's the Jesuits' open policy. According to the common Catholic teaching, it is never allowable to tell a lie, not even to save human life. A lie is something intrinsically evil, and as evil may not be done, that good may come of it. We are never allowed to tell a lie. However, we are also under an obligation to keep secrets faithfully, and sometimes the easiest way of fulfilling that duty is to say what is false or to tell a lie. 
Writers of all creeds and of none, both ancient and modern, have frankly accepted this position. They admit the doctrine of the lie of necessity and maintain that when there is a conflict between justice and veracity, it is justice that should prevail. The common Catholic teaching has formulated the theory of mental reservation as a means by which the claims of both justice and veracity can be satisfied. That's mental reservation. That's a Jesuit maxim. They're teaching people to lie. Right? Mental reservation. According to the Jesuits, it is quite legitimate to use language in a different sense from that which you intend the person addressed understand it by. For instance, if one is asked in a court of justice, did you see this deed committed? He could answer, I say no, which will be accepted as a denial, but by which the witness simply means, I say the word no. If a woman is charged with adultery with her confessor, she can deny it. For having obtained absolution, it is the same as if she had not committed it. Can anything be more diabolically demoralizing than, th than this Jesuitical code which sets at defiance the laws of God and shakes the foundation of social life? Years ago, I heard an attorney do this. A Christian attorney. I heard him teach it. And when I saw it, when I, when I, when I, and I, I didn't really understand what it was at the time. And I looked at the scriptures and I was like, okay, well, you know, we look at uh, Pharaoh and we look at these others and we look at the Hebrew midwives and all these other things. And nowhere in the Bible does it excuse a lie, though. I didn't realize what he was teaching was mental reservation. He's teaching a Jesuit maxim. Maybe learn that in law school because law school teaches a lot of Jesuit teachings, don't they? Huh. Interesting, isn't it? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So they could say, hey, did you see this deed committed? He can answer, I say no, which will be accepted as a denial. But by which the witness simply means, I say the word no. You think about that. 
There are times to say nothing at all. You don't have to lie. You just don't say anything. Equally diabolical, demoralizing is the Jesuit doctrine that the ends justify the means. Right? That the ends justify the means. Hey, I get it, man. What do you tell somebody when Adolf Hitler's knocking at the door and you got Jews hidden in your basement? Tough one, isn't it? You certainly aren't going to rat them all out, are you? But here's what you can do, right? A.W. Pink talked about this, actually. And what A.W. Pink said, why don't you pray and ask God to help you to be able to avoid situations like that? And pray and tell God, God, I don't want to lie. Please intercede for us so that this does not come upon us, that we we don't get set in a place like that, right? That we don't get put in a place like that. That's what A.W. Pink recommended. He said that the right thing to do is to pray and ask God to keep us from such things so we would never be in a position, Right? Amen. So this ends that justify the ends justify the means led by the infamous doctrine. It was natural that the Jesuits should favor the Inquisition and that assassination should find in them enthusiastic supporters in order to advance the interests of their order. They became in an evil sense, all things to all men. In the words of Nicolini. Nicolini, draw the character of the Jesuit as he seems in London, and you will not recognize the portrait of the Jesuit in Rome. The Jesuit is the man of circumstances, despotic in Spain, constitutional in England, Republican in Paraguay, bigot in Rome, idolater in India. So think about that. The Jesuit in Rome is all things Roman. The Jesuit in England or America is constitutional. In India, he is the idolater. He's worshiping the false idols. All things. They are like 
They are the spirit of Babylon. Let's see. The whore woman is a picture of that. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. So the Jesuits can appear as, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Anthony Scalia on the Supreme Court. They appear over in uh, Central America. As the future Jesuit Pope, Francis. He will assume and act out in his own person all those different features by which men are usually distinguished from one another. He dresses in all garbs, speaks all languages, knows all customs, is present everywhere, though nowhere recognized, and all this it should seem, oh, monstrous blasphemy for the greater glory of God. Ad majorium de gloria, right? For the greater glory of God, they will say. You know what I had a man tell me once that was in my church for years? Before he came here? Oh, I watched you for many years. I watched you for many years. He literally mimicked himself or mimicked me. Literally, to be just like me. In doctrine, he tried to in practice. In preaching, but he was boring. (laughs) Uh, In everything, he tried to model himself after me. And then, after that, he looked at me and he said that he was trained to infiltrate churches. And to destroy them. Uh Uh-huh. And you ask the question, why would anyone want to be like you? To destroy the church. To destroy the work of God. That's why.
That was his purpose. That was the reason he did it. That's something. Sooner or later, all countries have found the Jesuits to be the enemies of society. This follows from the nature of their oath, which runs as follows. I do further declare that I will help, assist, and advise all or any of the agents of his holiness in any place wherever I shall be, in England, in Scotland, and in Ireland, or in any other territory. I shall come to and do my utmost to extirpate the heretical Protestant doctrine and to destroy all their pretended powers, regal or otherwise. Experience of the Jesuits led the Abbe Me de la Roche Arnauld, who had been a member of the order, to pen the following scathing criticism, and I quote, I will not shrink from avowing that the desire of becoming acquainted with a company, the Jesuit order, which was making so much noise in Europe, emboldened me to enter it without any previous knowledge of its sentiments or intentions. The caresses, the menaces, the persecutions, the outrages of that society all failed to make me view with indifference. and apathy, the secret wiles and culpable practices which they employ. At the horrible aspect of these pertinacious and daring men, the recollection still makes me shudder. I averted my eyes with terror, and on seeing the sanctuary of peace sullied and all the horrors of crime and imposter, I trembled at the thought of being within its walls. I resolved to escape as soon as I could without danger. And when with incredible precipitation I crossed that accursed threshold, I exclaimed, Just heaven. Can any honest man live among them? Listen to this quote. Okay. Do you wish to excite troubles? To provoke revolution? To produce the total ruin of your country? Call in the Jesuits. Raise up again the monks. Open academies. And build magnificent colleges. For these hot-headed religionists suffer those audacious priests in their dictatorial and dogmatic tone to decide on affairs of state. That is the case against the Jesuits in a nutshell. They do, right? Next, we move on. The Jesuits as missionaries. As has already been stated, the Jesuit order was founded to do two things. To check the progress of the Reformation and to convert the heathen. Now you listen to this because this is gonna this is gonna explain that they're gonna do it through their mental reservation, through their all their 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 damnable doctrines, their damnable philosophies. In carrying out the latter part of their program, they carried out to the letter in its bad sense 
the principle of becoming all things to all men by accommodating their teaching to the superstitious and the weakness of the heathen. Listen, they didn't convert the heathen. They became the heathen to control the heathen. They weren't real Christians. And they weren't trying to convert them to Christianity. They were infiltrating them. There are people that come to churches not to be converted, not to be saved, not for their lives to be changed, but to infiltrate them, to destroy them. As Pascal, in expressing the tactics of the Jesuits, put it, they are prepared for all sorts of persons, and so ready are they to suit the supply to the demand that when they happen to be in any part of the world where the doctrine of a crucified God is accounted foolishness, they suppress the offense of the cross and preach only a glorified and not a suffering Jesus Christ. Nay, more, they so dilute Christianity with heathen superstition that in the process of the distinctive doctrines of Christianity are entirely abolished. So when they hear that the risen Son of God is a doctrine that is not well accepted among the people, they take it out. They remove it. They get rid of it. That's what they do. They remove it. Why do you think they can have universities in pagan China, in heathen China, in heathen India, in all the other heathen nations around the world? That some people think that the the president of China, oh, well, he, he's the one that approved the, the Chinese bishop. You think so, huh? You don't think the Jesuits told him and made it look like he's in charge? Made it look like he could do what he, he, he can, that they're working together with him? When they are, in fact, working together with him. They are, in fact, doing that. They are working with them, just not the way you think they are. They appear to be the tail when they're actually the head. Because if that President Chi doesn't do what they want, they will poison him. They infiltrate, the Jesuits infiltrate every religious order, every religious denomination. They infiltrate every single one of them. Every single government. 
and where they are, they control. And they always put a Jew in the forefront. So the Jew looks like he is the head and the Jesuit is the tail. But it is the opposite. It is the Jew that is working for the Jesuit. Doing the Pope's bidding and being paid handsomely for it. They so dilute Christianity with heathen superstition that in the process of the distinctive doctrines of Christianity are entirely abolished. Take as evidence their doings in India. Much is said by the Romanist of the great labors of Francis Xavier. He was the the other leader of the Jesuit order. And everyone talks about Francis Xavier. How he was a great missionary of the order. Listen. And even Protestants are to be heard eulogizing him as the pioneer of missionary enterprise. Shame on them. In the matter of conversion, Xavier held exceedingly crude ideas. His great aim was to get hold of the younger portion of the population. Sound familiar? Through Marxist revolutionary tactics, they get a hold of the younger generation. They were accepted as Christians when they could repeat the Lord's Prayer. Listen, this is Xavier. They were accepted as Christians when they could repeat the Lord's Prayer along with the creed and could cross their arms over their breasts. All this, however, was the merest varnish. When Xavier and his little band of helpers withdrew to other parts of the country, the native priests, the Brahmins, had no difficulty in bringing the converts back to the old religion. Xavier is said to have baptized 700,000 natives whom he left as ignorant as he found them. Think about that. 700,000 who were ignorant. They weren't even Christians. His motto seems to have been quantity, not quality. More unscrupulous was another Jesuit missionary, Nobili. 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 Who in order to ingratiate himself with the natives, pretended to be a Brahmin. Listen. Hey, preacher, you think there's people that pretend to be Baptists? That they come in there and they just pretend to be Baptists when they're really not Baptists and... The only reason they do it is because they're Jesuits. They're Jesuit coadjutors and they 
or they're Jesuit priests and they, they claim to be Baptists or Protestants, Presbyterian or Brethren. Yep. Uh-huh. I'll show you. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Okay. Look what Paul says his dangers were. Listen. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of, by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Galatians 2.4, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. For there are certain men crept in unawares who, be, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Nobili who in order to ingratiate himself with the natives pretended to be a Brahmin, and for this purpose had his face stained and gave himself as a descendant of the God of India. Perhaps the most glaring instance of the Jesuit policy of accommodation with a view to the selfish interests of the order was seen in the treatment according to the lowest class of converts when the higher class began to listen to their teachings. In order not to offend against the caste feeling of the Brahmins, the Jesuits refused the ministrations and sacraments of religion to the pariahs. So the Jesuits, in order not to offend, left the caste system in place. Jesuit policy in the mission field has not changed since the days of the pioneers. We are told by a modern authority, Bishop Caldwell, a distinguished missionary, that the Roman Catholic Hindus in intellect, habits, and morals do not differ from the heathen in the smallest degree. They are the same. Listen. 
In her book, Two Years in Ceylon, Miss Gordon Cumming remarks that she had seen the very identical devil dancers engaged from the temples of Giva to accompany the procession alike of heathen gods and the Roman images of Christ and the Virgin Mother. All the Jesuits did was change the names. The same heathen dances. She had seen the image of Buddha opposite the image of the Virgin in the same chapel and apparently receiving equal adoration. Adoration. She had seen Hindus and Buddhists and Roman Catholics alike paying their vows at the shrine of St. Anne, by whom certain miracles were said to have been wrought. Same heathenism. It suits the interests of the papacy today to wink at the Jesuit caricature of Christianity in foreign lands. But there was a time when the popes made great efforts to put a stop to the shameful travesties of religion among the heathen. The most historic of the between the Jesuits and Rome was the conflict over the Chinese rites. Listen to this. Chinese converts were permitted to practice their old pagan ceremonies under certain conditions. For instance, <clears throat> hold on, I'm going to take a drink of water here. Hey, listen to this. They were able to keep the Chinese converts were permitted to practice their old pagan ceremonies. For instance, as Pascal tells us, the Jesuits made their converts conceal under their clothes an image of Jesus Christ. To which they taught them to transfer mentally the adorations which they rendered ostensibly to their idols. So they put a statue of Jesus under their robe while they're bowing down to those other idols. The Jesuit Ricci, Ricci, whose name is identified with the Chinese rites, declared that after consulting the writings of the Chinese literatia, he had come to the conclusion that the names of the principal idols were merely other names for the king of heaven, and therefore the popular idolatries were merely harmless ceremonies. Right? They decreed that they're harmless ceremonies. In 1631, missionaries of the Orders of Dominic and Francis appeared upon the scene, and so scandalized were they at the doings of the Jesuits that they complained to Rome. Pope after Pope tried in vain to put a stop to the scandal, which existed till put down in 1744 by a bull of Benedict XIV. A Franciscan missionary, Solero, in a letter to one of the popes, bluntly accuses the Jesuits of subordinating the spiritual welfare of the natives 
to their own advantage. This brings us to notice the remarkable way in which the Jesuits utilize their missionary enterprise to embark on trade and commerce. Okay, so we're going to stop there because these these are going to we're going to get into the uh, the um, the reductions of Paraguay, I think, and I'm going to stop there because I think the the reductions. I think that's what he's going to cover. Pretty sure. And I'd like to read that first. Let me see here. I'm trying to remember this. Yep. He's going to talk about the reductions of Paraguay. And uh, I want to cover that a little more extensively, possibly. Actually, this, yeah, this, I don't have time to finish this. So we'll, we'll finish the reductions. We'll we'll take care of the, the we'll talk about the reductions of Paraguay. Uh let's see here. Where are we at? Yep. We'll cover that and I'll add some things to that because that's really powerful, actually. Uh let's see here. I don't know what that was all about. So, let's see if you have any questions. If you have some questions, we'll play a song here. And if you have a question or comment or something, maybe you have a question. Song. I like this song. Into a tent where a gypsy boy lay Dying alone at the close of the day News of salvation we carry, said he Nobody ever has told it to me
Amen. Okay, uh, Christine asked a question. What is the IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist Church? Uh, IFB is kind of like a, uh, it, there is no like association or there is no like, um, uh, you know, uh, anything like that. The The Independent Fundamental Baptist is kind of kind of a, it, it was born out of the fundamental fundamentalist movement, which was a interdenominational movement. Uh, that restored or went back to the fundamentals of the faith, but then the IFB was uh, will be known strongly for being uh, King James only, and there's different degrees of that too. Uh, but also holding to the fundamentals of the faith, and also uh, holding it, it's going to be more aligned to uh, Jack Hiles and um, Paul Chapel now, uh, Lester Roloff in the past. Uh, th- those type of people. Um, you know that's that's the 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 they're I call them. It's kind of the movement of bodies, bucks, and buildings now, where it's your 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 more of your your bigger churches. Now there's some smaller ones that are that would be considered independent independent fundamental Baptist churches, meaning they are independent, they are autonomous churches, they are ruled. Uh by the church itself, by the body itself, under the scriptures, and they are not ruled by uh, an association or an outside church or anything like that. They, they, they have all, there's no hierarchy, okay? Um, but there are also good independent fundamental Baptist churches that are out there uh, that preach the Bible, live faithful to God, don't cover up sex crimes, love the Lord, raise their children for God, okay? Um, but most of them are 501c3 churches, that is correct. Most of them are 501c3. And, um, but, uh, you know, not all of them are, you know, apostate or anything. Timothy Garrity, how are you? Hope you're doing well. What book are you reading from? I am reading from this one on the screen, The Jesuits in History, uh, by Hector McPherson. Okay? So that's that's where that can be found. And, 
all that. So there are different degrees of of those men. They're you know they weren't all Hiles people. Uh, a lot of the newer ones are Hiles people. I they might list us under independent fundamental at times, but I'm not really. I'm just a separate Baptist historical Baptist. I like what pass. Uh, we are non five hundred one c three. I like what Pastor Jeffrey. Uh, unaffiliated. We're not affiliated with any other church. We're not affiliated with any other movement. We're just Baptist. We're unaffiliated Baptists. And I'm Baptist for a reason, and I don't apologize for that. I understand the history. So, anyway. Um, so, uh, I know why I'm a Baptist. <laughs> and I, I could, if you ever wonder why... I've preached on that, and you can go back and look on Sermon Audio. I have all the answers there for you. You ever wonder, how come Pastor Cooley's a Baptist? Go back to the oldest one. Man, I've preached a lot on Baptists, so... Let's see. There are old ones. Oh, you know something? I know where. Pray for my husband's dear friend Matt. He lost his son in a sledding accident. Sadly, he didn't make. Was his? Are his son's name Adam? Oh, he's hit by a car. That's terrible. You pray for him, everyone. That's horrible. Sorry to hear. terrible but uh on this note with this uh you know this is i i guess i i don't have that why i'm a baptist on there that was an original sermon that i preached back when i first got saved when i left uh the uh my church in uh iowa that i was a member of our church in iowa where i married my wife that's crazy anyway uh, but that's a good sermon right there. Why Old Paz Baptist Church is not incorporated. 2014. That's in the 501c3 series, if you want to understand 501c3. The classic sermon, of all classic sermons, from 2011. That's right, 2011, buddy. Thirteen years ago. Whose house is it anyway? Ha <laughs> ha! I love it. Right. Whose house is it anyway? That's a good one right there. That is a good one. Whose house is it anyway? You want to know why we're not 501c3? Whose house is it anyway? Issue of sovereignty. The Lord's church. Amen. So. And of course, why Old Paz Baptist Church is not incorporated. When I had a brown beard. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's a good one, too. 
Jake, one of Jacob's favorite ones is. Somebody else said that too, and I don't know who it was. That it was their favorite one. Wow. Look at that. There are 340 downloads here, but this video has 870 views on it. The video does. That's crazy. This is a good sermon, though. Um, that was back when I was really young. Look at that young guy. I was lifting weights back then, too. Crazy stuff, man. First of all, because it's cold physically, it is absolute blistering cold. Man, look how bad that video is. Holy buckets, man, and things changed a lot. Maybe maybe we could digitally remaster that video. I'll never forget that sermon, man. That was a year after I decided not to be 501c3 that the Lord. That was a year after I decided not to be 501c3. The first time I went on the tour, I was face to face with all those men that stood against five that stood against incorporation and sat in jail. Those Baptists in the 40 imprisoned Baptist pastors. Yeah. Anyway, so. <sighs> yeah. Long time ago. How long was that? Yeah. I preached it before then. I put it on later. No. I think it was. It was 2012. Yeah, because 11, we separated. 12, I would have preached that. Yeah. In the summer of 12. 12 years ago. Yep. 12 years ago. Still going, amen. Praise God. Anyway, all right, everybody. Well, God bless you all. I got to get off here. I Look, I'm into overtime now. It's five minutes past four o'clock. I'm into overtime now. And I don't get I don't get double time and a half on Mondays. All right. So you pray for us. Pray for our ministry. Pray for all those needs that I talked about early on. And if you want to give to any of those things, right there, salvationpreacher at gmail.com. That's our you can click on oldpazbaptistchurch.org, click on PayPal, click on Venmo, Apple Pay, or go directly to sermonaudio.com slash Pastor Cooley. Click on there, and you could hit the donate button or the give button right there. Or you could scroll down to the bottom of the page. Here's our address. You can mail us something. 1030 South Highway 3, Northfield, Minnesota, 55057. God bless you all. Thank you. Uh, And uh, pray for us, please. I would appreciate your prayers. Definitely. Very thankful for them. Okay? So... Anyway, have a good have a good night. I'm gonna go celebrate birthday and have some fun. Amen. All that good stuff. You you pray for us. We'll see you Wednesday, Lord willing. Amen. And praise God, it's warm. I got to go for a walk for two and a half miles. Man, was that a blessing.